This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. We're back with another top five. This time it's centre-backs. Uh, we've done goalkeepers and full-backs, so go back and listen to those. And basically this is to keep us entertained and hopefully you guys, um, whilst it's we're in the close season, basically, and, and we've got no actual Bristol City football to talk about. But there was some football last night. And Matt, it was the Champions League final. And off the back of West Ham's European success, we've had another British... English even, uh, winner of the Champions League. We have yet. Congratulations to Manchester City. Um, you know, we we were privileged to to play against them this season in the FA Cup and saw just how talented a side they, they are. And obviously that's, that's clear with what they've done in the Premier League um, and then in the FA Cup. But really, I really enjoyed the game. Um, Inter Milan, I think, surprised quite a few people. I think a lot of people thought they were going to be really defensive. Um but they had a really high press and, and made it really difficult for Man City and probably had the better chances, um, although Man City had the, the the bulk of the play. But no, it, was a, it was a good game. And, you, you know, as I've said on here before, I, I do have a, a, a soft spot or a bit of an affiliation to Manchester United. Um, and I know there were lots of Man United fans that, that didn't want, and this is a question I'm going to ask you in a sec, actually. Oh, didn't God, want Man United, yeah, didn't want Man United to win um, because of the treble sort of situation. But for me, it's, it's a British team in Europe um, and, and absolutely I wanted them to win. And I, I wanted them to win because of the, the, the sort of players that they've got. You know, players like De Bruyne should be a Champions League winner. I and mean, actually he may already be from a previous club, I guess, but um, I don't think so. But yeah, I thought they were they were quality, deserved the win. Um, and when you see, I mean, I don't, you probably won't have seen necessarily the end patch but Jack Grealish was interviewed at the end and, and yeah, was really that. really emotional um and talking about obviously his, his parents taking him to every game in just how much it meant and you know I think that's fantastic but yeah it's an interesting one I, I wondered when I was watching it last night and, and I saw various comments from from how I would feel if it was Bristol Rovers in the final um and, and, and honestly honestly I'm probably a bit 50 50 on it um, Mate, because... it's never going to happen. You're never going to have to worry about no, it. No, I know exactly. Yeah, it's just fun, fun to think about it. But even sort of <laughs> similar things, even that last game um, when they had to beat um, Scunthorpe, you know, by a million goals or whatever it was, they ended up getting. There was a bit of me that was like, oh no, I don't want to see him go up because you know I'm not one for longing <laughs> for Derby days again. So, but no, it was good. I, I enjoyed the game in probably that other than soccer aid tonight and I think there's a yeah. probably an international next next month in there there's there's not much football now there until uh pre-season comes around you'll be able to find some on one channel I'm sure True. Yeah, yeah I remember at the um when football sort of returned after you know the the heights of the pandemic and I think I was watching the Bosnian Super League at one point <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the first yeah. to come back or somewhere Australia or something like that but uh 
Yeah, no, it's a, it is, yeah, it's a question we're never going to have to answer, Matt. So I don't, yeah. I don't think we need to. Um, but I get you, I get your argument. Nicely skirted. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you my answer later. Yeah. Right, uh, we have got a guest with us today, and it's a returning guest. It's Lee, the ref, Paul. Lee, did you also enjoy the game last night? Yeah, I watched it with a mate last night. Um, I thought uh, the game had a number of mistakes in. I think the nerves for Man City because they knew that this was the one that they desperately wanted and I should imagine the pressure uh, was on the players but uh, I I thought in the end Man City have been the best team uh, in Europe possibly uh, in the world at the moment and so therefore fully deserved and it's great to see an English team win win a treble so yeah chuffed a bits it was interesting Nathan Jones actually stopped um, Man City yeah. winning the quadruple which is quite yeah. ironic yeah yeah absolutely yeah, so um, 99, Man United won the treble. 23, Man City won the treble. Two two very different teams, but um, you know, it, it's always g- good for me to see uh, an English club win in Europe and to win the treble as, as much as they have got lots and lots of money behind them. And uh, let us, let's not say much more about that, but um, it's, it, it's a feat, Matt, isn't it? They have to have big squads that play consistently seven, eight, nine out of ten to get anywhere near that. It's incredible. Um, and I think when you go back to that 1990, I'm not sure that um, within the Premier League, the quality that is in the Premier League now was there. I think there were probably, you know, you did have your, your Chelsea's um, and, and Arsenal as well, but Arsenal was so good this year in the Premier League. Um, and Liverpool obviously didn't start well, but but came back. So I think that was incredible alone for for them to to win that. Then to face your rivals in the FA Cup final, there's a degree of mm. you know wanting to get one over on that. So I, I agree with what Lee said. I think that you know, they, and they, what did they beat Real Madrid by five or whatever it was in the semis? Um, if you do that, then then you deserve everything, and it is a, an incredible feat. Yeah, and Lee, um, it's it's great to see, isn't it? It's great to see that British football, English football, is on top in Europe and we haven't had that, you know, for, for some time Um, and having, you know, I know it was the UEFA um, conference league, but West Ham won that Man City. One of our winning. Yeah. Obviously congratulations to Mr. Moyes and obviously Rob Newman as head of recruitment, but um, it's great to see uh, English football at the top of the top of this game. Well, I was going to say it's um, it's good that we're actually doing centre backs today because David Moyes was a yeah. centre back for us for I think yeah. he played about eighty three games for us, and I remember that that day at Wembley, Mansfield, he played um, that day, and actually I, I felt quite proud when West Ham won that game on Wednesday because yeah. thinking that's kind of you know he's one of our own, you know, and I was quite pleased to see him, and then a bit of dad dancing afterwards for uh, yeah, David Moyes. I don't know if you saw the. The footage in the changing room. You could um, see just how much it meant to David Moyes, couldn't yeah, you? I mean, when, when they scored and he's running down the touchline, and you know, how touching seeing him giving his medal to his dad, and yeah. I thought it was brilliant. And um, I mean, the whole Danny Dyer um, <laughs> for Jared Bowen. I've seen an interview. I don't know if you've seen it with um, with Danny Dyer with Danny Dyer to do with yeah. the soccer aid, and uh, he actually sort of talks about it and says, actually, it's a, it's a bit of a compliment because they're saying like he's on fire. <laughs> But yeah. also that he's Danny <laughs> Dyer, obviously Danny Dyer's daughter. Yeah. Um, and he said he even starts to chant off sometimes, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. 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 Not sure about that for, yeah. for, uh, as, a, as a dad, but there we go. Um, <laughs> right. Let's, before we get into uh, some talk about fullbacks, we're going to cover off Center a couple backs. of things. Centre backs. Good yeah. shake. I'm, I'm looking, at the, looking at the table here. Um, 
couple of things. So we'll do our check-in, first of all. Um, yep. So I am probably about a five out of ten this morning. And Ooh. I think it's important that we acknowledge that we're not always eights and nines and, yeah. and, and high scores. And sometimes there's there's not a reason and you can't put your finger on it. Um, so it's all it's OK to be a five out of ten because I, I was looking forward to doing this podcast and I think that will probably pull me through. So ask me at the end what number I am. Um, but yeah, just no reason. Sometimes you just got a bit of a cloud above you and. You just can't put your finger on it. I mean, if I had to try, then it was an early early wake-up call. Kids with lots of energy, uh, lots of noise. And, yeah, when, when you wake up with a bit of a start and you, yeah. all you can hear is screaming and shouting, it's not a good start to the day. But that sometimes happens, and I'm some, I sometimes ride it out. But, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, and I know that people do listen – and do value that that we talk about mental health. Sometimes there's there's no good reason for it. So I just wanted to put that out there and and uh, say yes, it's okay to be a five, but um, yeah, as long as you don't stay in a five too long. So do things like this, get yourself out, enjoy the sunshine, and uh, hopefully you crack up through the numbers. But Matt, hopefully you're a bit higher than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm well said, there, mate. Um... And I think again, important to talk as well when you you know you aren't feeling that, which I know you always do. So um, yeah, I'm probably a seven. In, enjoyed the, the game last night. Um, going around me and mum's for lunch today. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm probably a seven, mate. Okay, Lee. I think I'm about an eight. Um, I drop a couple of points because I'm thinking that uh, last night's game was the last game I might see for a little bit. So I'm a bit worried about that because I. Uh, football is my life but um but it's great to to be talk, uh, you know talking to you two guys and i think this helps and uh and i love reminiscing i've listened to a couple of the the pods that you've done already on goalkeepers and fullbacks and it it really has helped i mean i think it's great to reminisce and to think back to all those good times so hopefully patch will help you along today by talking about center backs brilliant good stuff well it was a good week last week when we celebrated our eighth birthday of three peeps in a podcast and we did a a classic regular episode me rich and duncan kelman who's the man who does all our jingles and uh, someone contacted me to say you know that um duncan's passion in in his voice is infectious and uh i couldn't agree with that more he i worked with him sort of oh, blame me 12 years ago and it really helped my career to to work alongside someone like that and it's it's helped everything it's helped my confidence it's helped me in my in my career and uh yeah i owe duncan a lot so listen along to that episode it's um it's as i say it's a, like an original episode just three blokes chatting about whatever they want loose loosely um structured but uh, yeah, some good chat about Ted Lasso, which I know Matt you've enjoyed as well, yeah, and yeah. and lots lots of other little bits and bit, pieces. So yeah, bit, tune in. Bit, bit of a quiz in there as well, mate. So that oh, was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. 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 We yeah. always throw in a bit of a random quiz and things like that. So that if you just good. want to go for a walk um, and have a listen along to to, to three blokes chatting, then uh, then that's the podcast for you. But yeah, turn it turn in eight, and obviously the bonus show is probably about three years old, Matt. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all good fun. Things that happened this week in Bristol City. We'll start with, we'll go in chronological order. So Rob Dickey, Matt, um, centre-back from QPR. Uh, we've seen him play at Ashton Gate at QPR. And he seems like a defender that 
needs a bit of confidence. I think obviously QPR didn't have the greatest season, but he's got all the attributes to to become you know someone who will fit really well into the Bristol City team. Would you concur with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I I've watched Rob Dickey since he's been at QPR, um, and his first season, I think he got Player of the Year, scored a couple of tremendous goals from long range, likes to bring the ball out. Um, and then last season, when I when I saw that we were rumoured to be in for him, um, I was a little bit, oh, I didn't think he was great when we played them and um, looked a little bit slow. But but I think you're absolutely right, Patch. I think he was playing in a poor team, a team that constantly changed managers. Um, and the move's probably a really good move for him. Um, he speaks really highly. Um, and I think what we've got to remember is he was being talked about as a £10 million player a year ago. Now, you don't lose class, you know, you might lose form. Um, and if you're in a poor side, so I, I personally think it's a good signing. He's, he's what, 6'4", um, as I say, likes to bring the ball out, likes to pass the ball. Um, some good footage that was was put on, I think, by QPR in terms of sort of his mm. goals. And so I, I think he's a good signing. Remind, reminds me a little bit of Aidan Flint from a stature point of view. Um and you know we we've talked so often about Bristol City that we're just not a very big side, um, and you don't sign players just because they're big. But he's certainly going to bring that to the side. So I think it's a decent sign, and I've got to be honest, especially for what they're talking about in terms of um, the money. I think it's like half a million rising to a million, which yeah, yeah, and um, him and Rob Atkinson have got a past history as yeah, well, Oxford. haven't they? Yeah, yeah, it's just a shame, shame that Rob's going to be out for the first couple of months yeah. of the season, really. But um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll go through um, uh, the other signing that we've got and a couple more rumours. But um, the next one, Lee, was Ross McCrory. Um, now, I want to play about a seven-minute interview that I did with the uh, Aberdeen podcast, uh, Red Tinted Glasses, I think they were called, um, and then just get your view on, on Ross after that. So I'm going to just play that for... You both now. Okay, so yesterday we announced the signing of Ross McCrory from Aberdeen, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Glenn from the Red Tinted Glasses podcast up in Aberdeen. Glenn, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Patch, thanks for uh, allowing me on to the show. Um, wow. Hopefully, got some positive things about Ross. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, first question I've got for you. I mean, was it a big surprise for you guys? Um, not. A huge surprise, given um, it's certainly a move that's been rumoured. Um, certainly up here, I don't know how much has been rumoured down with, with yourselves um, for the last month and a half, two months. I think for me, the surprise was potentially maybe seeing his reaction at full time when we secured European football. Um, you know, maybe there was a bit in the back of my mind that was hoping the, the lure of that European football now that we've got that until Christmas would have maybe convinced him to, to stay, but there were certainly, you know, some rumours going around that the, the deal was very much in place. He'd obviously been down to Bristol a few times to assess the facilities down there. So there's obviously a good offer on the, the table and Ross goes with our best wishes and I uh, hope to see him thrive down in England. Oh, that's good to hear. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great when when players go with fans' best wishes and and sometimes... You know, for example, with us, you've got Alex Scott, who's rumoured to be going to the Premier League. He's been valued at 25 million. Um, there was that most most fans, most City fans are sort of almost resigned to the fact that he is going to go. But there's always that little bit of hope in the back of your mind that he might sort of see players like Ross coming in and see what we're building and think, right, 
let's give this to January and see where we go, or let's give it for the rest of the season, make sure I get football, etc. But yeah, it's um, it's always you know going back to the name of your podcast, you will look at it through rose tinted glasses, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've got that bit of hope. But he looks for all the world in the interviews that I've seen and um and some of the media that he's been given, he looks like quite a personality around the dressing room. Is that the case? Yeah, that's something I, I tweeted out from our account last night that I think he'll be a huge miss within the dressing room. Uh, I think you just got to look at some of the reaction from the, the players, um, you know, posting on their own personal Instagrams last night. Vicente Bazawin, who we signed um, from Holland, you know, he put out a message saying, I didn't understand a word you said when um, you first when I first signed, which might be a problem for some of the players and or fans. Um, for you guys, but, you know, Ross did everything he could to make Vicente feel welcome. So, yeah, I think he'll be felt a loss in the dressing room and um, he just offers something for us on that right side of defence is where he, he he really shone for us. So you spoke a little bit about his positions there and right side of defence. From what I can gather, he's a sort of right-sided centre-back, right-back. What sort of systems does he play in? Yeah, I think he would certainly for Aberdeen he benefited most at right back, right wing back, and that's where he looked strongest. He did have a stint at right centre back, um, and didn't really look too comfortable. But that could more be down to the fact that who his other centre back um, was um, during his time at Aberdeen. Um, his versatility also does allow him to play uh, in the midfield, uh, in the centre of midfield. But I was listening to his uh, interview that. Um, your club channel tweeted out this morning or late last night um, and saying that he, you know, he does prefer defence, but I thought he was maybe a bit harsh on himself about midfield because I thought he was more than capable in midfield, but maybe he's just looking to nail down a, a one specific position because that was maybe his, to his detriment at Aberdeen, his versatility meant he never secured one certain spot and everyone's like, oh no, he looks good in midfield. Oh no, actually we need him at right back. Oh, but now we're missing him in midfield. So like he, he, we played more of a, a three at the back um, for times last season, so he would have been used to playing that full-back, wing-back role, um, but he's also more than comfortable in a, in a flat-back four as well. Um, but yeah, certainly right-sided defence is where Ross is strongest. Interesting, okay. Um, what sort of threat does he pose from either a delivery of a dead ball situation and also attacking a dead ball situation, corners, free kicks, etc.? Um his delivery is not something that he was renowned for um, in that sense. He's more a, a player that would look to make a, a driving run down the wing and then maybe thread a through ball. That's, for me, more what I remember of, of Ross and, or look at a cutback to you know a midfielder driving onto the ball for them to um, finish. Ross does have a good few goals. Um, if some of you have maybe w- watched our goal of the season contenders, you'll have seen the goal he scored against Wraith at the beginning of last season. So he can fairly strike a ball. Um, he's, from what I remember, he's quite good in the air. But yeah, he's I don't six, think... six foot three, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a tall lad. Mm. Um, so you would but... expect him to be getting on the end of corners and. Yeah, you wouldn't be expecting him to take the the corners or set no. pieces. You'd be expecting him to be in the middle and, and getting in about the, the action and trying to get on the end of it, as you say. But yeah, it's not not a player that was renowned during his time in Aberdeen for having a, a, a good delivery or certainly being someone that would deliver the set pieces. Um, he was more that, that player that you would look at to to drive into the box and, and, and kind of 
almost create a bit of havoc when he when he gets there. Nice. And what sort of um, levels of aggression does he play with? Has he got the bite in the tackle? That's something that um, we like to see at Ashton Gate. Yeah, absolutely. Ross is a very passionate player. Um, you know, there was always that thing, the fact that he supported Rangers and he was playing for, for Aberdeen as well with that, that rivalry. But for me, there was no kind of question that once Ross crossed the white line, he always gave his all for the shirt. Um, you know, tracking back, making last ditch tackles, putting his body on the line when it when it mattered as well. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about whether or not he would be captain for the season pass, but he was vice captain. So he would have been held in high regard to um, be installed in that position. But yeah, I think, you know, your fans down there will certainly enjoy him. Um, he's a player that will always give 100%. Um, never really questioned Ross's commitment to the cause. Um, uh, and yeah, we, we saw just the celebrations um, at, at full time when we secured Europe. Didn't look like he was a man that was a, a way to a way to, to leave us in the, in the summer. Um, so I think even then just shows how, how committed he was that even if he was going elsewhere, he, he didn't let that detract from the job in hand. Yeah. Okay. One of the things we do on our podcast is uh, player ratings. So we rate mm -hmm. players out of 10, six being sort of an expected performance. Yeah. Uh, if you had to give Ross a score for the season out of 10, where would you sort of put him? Um, I would have said seven was my, my first number when you, when you started that. Um, you know, always probably performs above average and will always look to, to give us all. There's obviously... You know, he played his part in the, the worst game in our history with the, the Scottish Cup defeat. Um, so that that still sticks. But look, you know, we, we as a podcast gave him player of the year. Um, in la not obviously this season, just finished the season before. So he's a player that we think quite highly of. And, um, you know, I spoke to him at the player of the year awards um, just in May and wished him all the best and obviously hoped that he, he was going to stay. Um, and yeah, it's just a player that I'm really looking forward to see what he can achieve with, with Bristol City and for the rest of his career as well. He's come to Aberdeen and really developed into a, a good player and he's obviously sees Bristol City as his next natural step in his footballing career. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how, how that progresses for both him and obviously Bristol City as well. Yeah, we, we always follow and track the progress of former players. So it sounds like you're going to be checking out Bristol City's starting lineups and, and tracking yeah. their progress going forward. And yesterday on Twitter, you said, please look after him. And we absolutely <laughs> will. So um, thanks very much for your time and uh, good luck for the season. Yeah, and good luck to you guys next season as well. So, Lee, it all sounds very positive. This uh, yeah. Ross McCrory, a, a leader. Uh, a character in the dressing room, six foot three, so with some more height, six foot four, more height in the uh, in the squad. Competition for Viner, competition for Wilson Tanner. What are your thoughts? God, that that sounded great, didn't it? It's always nice to hear someone who's watching him week in week out, giving him that kind of appraisal. So that's really good. Be interesting to see. Um, how Nigel Pearson deploys him in our in our team because obviously Tanner's been playing really well and and Viner has been likewise and um, it seems as though he's versatile and I've heard Gary Hours on on this pod say a few things about you know uh, prefer you know people in the right position and so on but sometimes it is good to have someone who is versatile um, and uh, and hopefully he'll be someone who can add 
that leadership qualities. I, I think we have lacked a little bit of leadership in our team at the time. And uh, and he's captain the under-21 Scotland team as well. So, you know, I, I think it bodes well. Um, obviously, we, we've got to give him time to settle in. It's going to be a different type of football when he comes down here to play. But he's played in a Celtic and Rangers game before. So he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's going to be fairly experienced and uh, hoping that he has a good, warm welcome at Ashton Gate. Yeah, Matt, he's coming down with some expectation after that build-up and, and what we've what we've heard. But uh, where do you see him fitting in? Obviously, we don't know what Nigel will do next season in terms of formation, whether he carries on with the 4-2-3-1 or, you know, we've seen him deploy a number of different formations. But great to add him to the squad. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously lots of positives there. Um, but that, that was what I was thinking as... Um, Sorry, Glenn. I missed Glenn. As Glenn was talking, the I I thought we were signing him from a, a central defensive midfielder role um, when he was sort of being talked about initially. Um, when you get a player himself talk about, I like to play in defence. I like to be right side. I hope that's why we've signed him. Now the question as to whether that was necessarily a position that was needed, you know, who knows? And and by all accounts, we've paid you know, a fair amount of money for him. Um, so, yeah, it will, it will be interesting because I, I don't, you wouldn't see him taking the place of Zach Viner because of the season that Zach's had. Um, and like Lee said, George Tanner's been been very good as a, a right back. Um, and, and probably with George, George has been in there from a defensive point of view, hasn't necessarily been, um, it is most effective going forward. Now, maybe that might be the difference, or maybe that is the competition we're talking about. It means he hasn't got to play Mark Sykes there. He's got two players then. In or Andy Vyman. Or, or Andy Sam Bell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's that. But but I hope it is that he's been signed to play right side of defence, right back, as opposed to central defensive midfielder, because it's a bit like the Carl Naismith. Carl Naismith was signed as a centre-half. You know, he, he came out and said that's where he wanted to play. And then from a fan's point of view, and obviously where we ended up, he was playing in that that sort of deeper midfield role. So again, I, I hope we're signing a player to play in a position that he's best at and we get the most out of as opposed to fitting in. And, and I, I totally agree with what Lee says around versatility. But again, um, I also agree with, 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 with Gary when he talks about wanting to sign sort of specialists because I do think we suffer sometimes. And and actually, Glenn said that himself. Ross McCrory suffered a little bit with his versatility. So, you know, when... But it's different. Nigel Pearson wants to operate a small squad. So because of that, then, you know, you are going to get players that fill a number of positions. When you say, and Gary said about signing a specialist, to yeah. me, the specialist we need is a dead ball specialist. I rem remember when it, Chris Brunt yeah. signed and I thought, Blimey, we've got a yeah. dead ball specialist. But I can't remember yeah. thinking of many other people in that regard, and it didn't work out for Chris Brunt. But obviously, it, it, that's a that's a a, a a position, a specialist, specialism, whatever yeah. you want to call it, that we haven't had for a while. No, and 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 you're right. I mean, for for me, I I, I absolutely would like to see a sign a, a central defensive midfielder, someone who that's that's their strength. Box to box, breaking up the play, but can also you know play a little bit as well. Um, but you're right, we 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 we've definitely struggled for dead ball this year. We thought maybe Joe Bryan coming back might might give us a little bit more in terms of not that Joe was necessarily dead ball, was he? But 
um, you know, could certainly cross the ball, but that that looks now not to be happening. Um, so you're right, Pat. I think it is a position. You know, you take Alex Scott out of the team, you've probably only got Matty James and Cal Maysmith um, to deliver it. And actually, sometimes we needed to um, mix it up a bit. Mm. We tended to just let Carl Naismith take them or just let Matty James take them. So, you know, you and, want and Naismith's three or four. delivery is not always great, Matt, is it? No, Some it's not. No. no, it's not. It's not. You're right. Um, it does kind of makes me wonder whether part of that is because, and I don't know if it's still the case, but Pat Mountain was sort of the, the, the dead ball specialist from a, a coaching point of view. Um, and I don't know whether is a goalkeeper best. Place well, should, to, should be to, should be know. Brian Tinian, shouldn't well, it? You, well, yeah, I think Tins has got <laughs> enough on his boat. But but you're right. It's it's probably an area of the coaching that that maybe, and I don't know how close you know the likes of Mickey Bell are to the first team from that point of view. But you know, Jason Yule was a striker. I I don't remember. I mean, he was in the box, wasn't he? So he wasn't mm. taking them. Mm. Um, and then you've got Pat Mountain and and Curtis Fleming, who was a fullback who never really took it. Nigel Pearson never really took it. So it's an area that we definitely do do you know, need to improve on. Okay. Um, right. So as we've said, Joe Bryan looks all but off, but yeah. uh, you know, who knows on that one, but uh, we're not hanging our hat on that as much as we were certainly a week or so ago. Um, and Hayden Roberts, Matt is another name that's been uh, touted as probably coming through the door. What can yeah. you tell us about, about him? Um, so young, young lad on loan from, um, or on loan at Derby last season from Brighton. He's out of contract at Brighton. He's come up through their academy. Um, I think he's a relatively small player in terms of stature. Um, can play centre defence, um, can play left side, I think. Um, did very, very well at Derby. I know Derby fans wanted him back. Um, my understanding um, is that that deal is still very much on. Um, so there's a real expectation that, that will go through. So I think again, I don't I don't imagine he's leaving Brighton where he didn't get into the first team enough and played then I think he played 40 odd games for Derby last year. I can't imagine he's coming to us not to play if that's the case. So you know where, where he fits, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Okay. Right. That's uh that's taken care of getting everyone up to speed with the the week a busy week at Bristol City, and two very good uh, announcement videos, as we always like to see on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, there are lots of people refreshing their Twitter feeds at 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock, I'm sure, yeah. uh, earlier this week. But uh, always always a good bit of fun. Have you got a scuff, scratch or dent on your vehicle? Dent Magic can fix them all. If you need the magic touch for your vehicle, visit www.dentmagic.net to get your quick quote online today. Right, let's get on to the crux of today's podcast, and that is top five centre backs for Bristol City in the last 40 years and we've gone we've gone with 40 years going back to 83 onwards um you know basically because a, a, the, a number of us without giving away any ages that's about right it's about the uh, the average age of the people that were asked so we sent out a little survey people sent them back through so for example um in the the goalkeepers one if you put Adriano Basso as your number one he gets five points if you put him as your number five he gets one point so we're we're going to go through mine, Matt's and Lee's top five, and then we're going to go to the final score at the end. So, Matt, we're going to start with you, and we're going to start with a player who is now playing in the Premier League, and that's Adam Webster. How did he make that impact for you? 
Um, I couldn't remember what my top five was because it's obviously been a, a, a fair few weeks since we did it. Um, and I knew I had Webster in there. Now you've said he's five. I'm thinking, wow, I must have, I must have had some really good players above him. Um, because I bet Adam Webster is ones and twos for some people because he was that good. Well, so um, you, it, say, you say that, but Adam, obviously, we'll come on no, to that. But no. Adam Webster... Oh. The pe- the way that people have done this is all very different, and that's why yeah. what I really like about this is some people have said like, well, he was one of my favourite players, so he's yeah, got to yeah. be in there. Yeah. Uh, he only had, you know, so Adam Webster had forty seven, yeah, yeah, for- so forty seven Bristol City appearances, three yeah. goals, and you know was only there for a season, so yeah. maybe he shouldn't be number one. He should be probably no, it's a, yeah, it's a good show. I mean, I think I think the um. The transfer fee plays into it as well as our most um, uh, expensive transfer out, you know, with the most money we got in. Um, but, I mean, he was a, a, a Rolls-Royce of a defender. Um, I think the partnership with him and Thomas Callas, um, and I'm sure Thomas Callas will, will, will get a mention within this, but um, it was it was excellent. Um, I think Webster was... was Everything you wanted as a defender, um, he was also a you know a threat in the opposition box. I remember him scoring away at Middlesbrough on an evening game, um, and Aidan Flint was playing for Middlesbrough at the time, and and I think I'm pretty sure it finished one 0 with Webster's goal. Um, so that that kind of wrote him into a little bit of City folklore as well because he was up against you know someone that that probably left under a little bit of a you know cloud because of where he went. But I just thought he was, yeah, a Rolls-Royce of a, a player. You know, he could bring the ball out, could pass, very comfortable when he was being attacked um, and, you know, had had silky skills. Um, I think he's gone on and done really, really well in the Prem. And I don't know whether he's been injured a lot last season, but he didn't seem to feature as much last season. So I'll be interested to see kind of where he goes this year, you know, what, what happens to him this year. But just just thought he was a, a really, a really quality, quality player. Lee, for you, any surprises with Adam Webster in match top five? And also, any surprise that he hasn't yet featured in the England setup? Well, I'm, I'm not surprised he's not appeared because, um, as Matt said, we, we got a record fee for him. <clears throat> One of the strengths, I think, was Webster was bringing the ball out of the back. And I love seeing um, defenders attacking. him, um, as well as obviously doing their main job. And I think that was one of his main strengths. Um uh, we'll come on to mine in a moment, but I didn't put Webster in because he only played for one season, and I and I believe that um, that they've got to kind of give the club a little bit more. Um, Christ, in- see, Beekstra got in for someone from eight games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's doing it differently. Yeah. Are we going to uh, name that person? Back <laughs> yeah, that was that was Rob, wasn't it? Was it Rob? I think it was Rob. Yeah. 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 Um, but interestingly, Patch. Um, uh, we're doing centre backs. Um, Webster, we we um, received the most fee for. We paid the most for Callas, and then Carey has broken all records as well. So centre backs seem to appear for Bristol City in, a, in quite a positive light. So yeah, yeah I, I think if I was to look at it again, maybe Webster might get in. But um, yeah, I think like uh, my, I, I may have had a few drinks when I was doing this. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. But it gives us a good spread of players, nonetheless. Yeah. He's not. He's not in my top five either, and probably just missed out uh, for that reason. It was just a season. Um, but yeah, and, and if you were doing this purely on ability, 
yeah um then he would feature in a lot of people's top yeah, fives right on to your number five then lee uh he is a bristol lad played yeah. played 233 times for bristol city from 1988 to 1996 and seven goals it's matt bryant yeah, I, I, some people may be surprised about this, but um, whether it's for nostalgic reasons, there's a bit of a risk that you look back with rose-tinted spectacles when you do these things. But um, I really like Matty Bryant. I thought he was quick, uh, a local lad, so he, obviously that gives him a little bit of advantage as well. Um, he he was strong, uh, good in the air, and um, I remember we were struggling against Stoke towards the end of the season. He scored an absolute... Worldy, worldy from outside the box it was like a yeah. bullet yeah. and um i must admit that that kind of um that helped make my decision um as i said he played over two and three appearances there, there were times he, he played alongside um mark hazelwood if you remember and he was a welsh international and um osmond came in and i felt matty bryant improved immeasurably when osmond came in because obviously osmond was a, a superb center half himself in his time so, um, yeah, Matty Bryant gets in there. Um, uh, he played well when we played against the Rovers, and that always gives me, a, a, a again, a bit of a, a kind of advantage for him. So, yeah, Matt Bryant gets in as number five for me. Good shout. Yeah, happy with that one. A um, couple of Robins Reuniteds that I've done. Matt Bryant often gets a mention as someone who sort of came through and got into the team and staked his claim. Um, so, yeah, Matt, Matt Bryant is a, is a good shout. Did right. he go anywhere else after us, Patch? Yeah, Gillingham. Uh, yes. Ah, yes. Gillingham. Yeah, he did. Good yeah. show. Yeah. He had a bad back as well, didn't he? And yeah. That's why he did. He really struggled, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah with and, the, and, the and obviously, from because his, his younger brother Simon obviously played a lot of games for Rovers, very, very highly rated. Yeah. Um, well, so, a very but, good yeah. uh, footballing family. He's, yeah, he's exactly. Actually, yeah. His other brothers, twins, actually, Danny and Paul, um, played with me at Deerswood. Ah, so, right, okay. uh, yeah, very good, very good players indeed. Plenty right, fake, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, my number five is uh, Psycho Glenn Humphreys. Now, oh, yeah. um, so so Glenn Humphreys played with us from 1987 to 1990, 109 appearances, and this is a nostalgic choice, definitely. Yeah, um, but he also features in other people's, I yeah. will say, uh, but. All I remember, so I so I started watching City around the same sort of time that he signed, um, and you just remember those tackles that he would fly into, and he would get you out. Not many centre backs get you out of your seat. Um, and as a as a seven eight year old boy watching that, you want to see that sort of passion. You don't quite understand the game, and you don't ever look at whether he can pass the ball or or whether he scores goals. He didn't score any goals, um, but you want to see that entertainment. And it was no nonsense defending uh, in in at the back. And yeah, it's it's just a name that sticks in my head alongside the likes of Glenn Pennyfather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but is that is that also because of I mean the fact it was psycho you know it, it, yeah that was, probably. That was his nickname was the chant um you're well, right I, mean, well, I, I look really fond yeah I look I look really fondly at, at Glenn Humphreys because I'm a, a different era to you but certainly you know can remember him um I guess ability wise yeah I'm not sure he would be in the top five <laughs> but you're right he gave yeah. I mean. Talk, talk in there about Ross McCrory patch. He gave a hundred percent, didn't he? Mm. He was a fully committed, um, you know, they talked about running through brick walls and stuff in and headed everything. He was that sort of player. 
it's the sort of attitude you need as a, as a yeah. centre back. And I think some some players, such as Callas, are like that, but they often get injured in the process. I can't remember, yeah. you know, looking at the stats, it doesn't look like Glenn Humphreys missed many games. Um, and some of the others that will come on to as as well. But uh yeah. And Where did what, we sign him from, Patch? Uh, I'll have to have a was, was look that at that. I have, to say like that. About, I have to say about Humphreys, he, you remember he played it on, on pitches Hull. that weren't that great as well. Yeah, we yeah. remember that, haven't we? The, you know, and, and if you remember, um, centre-halves used to be kind of just head it and kick it, wouldn't yeah. it? Which, you know, and he was a head it and kick it type. And like yeah. you, Matt, it, he isn't in the same class as Webster, but I think Patch probably sees him as uh the other you know, nostalgia definitely isn't it yeah, yeah and, and, and yeah. i get it i get so it so he, he actually started his career at doncaster born right. in hull yeah. um so we signed him from from doncaster then he oh, went right, on to okay. scunthorpe after that there you go i knew scunthorpe was in there um yeah so and i'm doing some robins reunited and asking other players about him i was almost semi-surprised to hear what how much of a lovely bloke he was yeah 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 i think mickey mellon talked about him didn't he so yeah so yeah. Uh, just on the mickey mellon podcast thank you to one team on uh the the, the fans forum for saying uh that i had the sense to sit back and let them catch up <laughs> um so yeah thanks thanks for that we've had some some other really good feedback on that one right let's go back to matt then and we're gonna go for number four and that is thomas callas yeah, um, I don't. I don't think there's much doubt about Thomas Callas as a defender. Um, I hope his his Bristol City career doesn't end up getting defined by his injury record. But like you said, Patch, the way that he he goes up to head a ball, um, he's always likely to get the kind of injuries that he's got with his shoulder and stuff in the past. But I think we saw this season um, in the couple of games that he played just how good he is. Um, He's, for me, without doubt, our best defender. Um, I think he's our best defender. Um, he's quick, deceptively quick, really. Um, and in the air, he's got a leap like no one else I can really remember at, mm. at Bristol City. It's just, unfortunately, the last couple of seasons, he's, he's obviously had these horrendous sort of injury spells. Um, seems to come back in. You know, Nigel Pearson often talked this season about he's back on the grass, he's looking really good. He came back in. I think it was away at Cardiff, wasn't it? Um, went again, similar challenge, and that was in then for the season, pretty much. So yeah. um, we've, I hope we haven't seen the last of him. Um, again, you know, I, I think that the contract offer we made is clearly going to be on a lot less money than than he has been on throughout his contract so far. As Lee said, he's our record signing. It was in the. Mark Ashton Galactico era of contracts. Um, let's try and sign who we can from Chelsea and pay big bucks. So mm-hmm. he was clearly going to get on a, a much reduced salary. Um, I don't pretend to know what it was and what it is. Um, and there's even been talk about some sort of pay as you play type appearance thing. Um, and that was interesting. I heard Gary Hours talk about the fact that I think when he was at Notts County, something like, I might get the figures wrong, it was either 75 25 or 25 75 was based on appearance. Um, so, you know, it, it's obviously, it is a known thing that, that takes place from a contract point of view, but I think Thomas Callas will have plenty of offers both in this country and abroad that he probably wouldn't need to take a huge dip in salary. So I think we've probably seen the end of him, but just a no-nonsense, go and head the ball, no fear, but was also decent on the ball. I mean, he played a lot of games for Middlesbrough at, at right back, 
um, when he was on loan from there. And he was a bit of a nomad, wasn't he, from Chelsea? Spent a huge amount of time going out on loan to lots of different clubs. Fulham was another. Well, wasn't he Chelsea's like longest-serving player? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. Um, when he played in two games. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but then you've got John Terry and others to compete with, I suppose. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then came to us... Um, Looked as you know, I, I talked about um, the partnership with Adam Webster. I mean, they they were yeah. fantastic together. Yeah. So yeah, r- rightly in my top five. Um, may feature higher for some, um, but as I say, may also because of his his current injury record and the likelihood that he's he's going, that might um, you know taint taint a few opinions on it. Yeah. So um, Lee, he's also your number four uh, yeah. and <clears throat> someone who. We hope we haven't seen the last of, as as Matt said. But if you add Callas into the mix, and I don't think he's in a lot of people's thoughts for next season, and on the assumption that he that he probably will go, but you know, add into that McCrory, Dickey, Atkinson, Viner, uh, you know, we've got Naismith as well, um, Joe Lowe on the fringes. Hopefully, could feature. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, add Callas into that, it it certainly shapes things up a bit. It does, but my fear is is the reason why we're bringing in a couple of defenders is that maybe Pearson expects Callas to go, and this is what a, a worry of mine. I mean, I echo everything that Matt says. Matt talks a lot of sense about Callas, and actually, um, I always think you measure a player's ability against the very best. And if you remember the Man City game, I thought Callas was absolutely superb that night. Yeah. Um, but that was only one of a couple of appearances this season. But um, but he was superb. Interesting. I don't know if you both know, but Callas played in that game where Gerard slipped and Demba Bar scored. Did he uh, really? Yeah, for the Chelsea Liverpool game, and Callas was playing. I watched the highlights the other day. So so he has played at the very top, and he is a very very good footballer. But I I, I just worry that we've probably seen the last of Callas, but it'd be brilliant if he stayed, but I think finances will dictate that. Am, am I right in thinking both that um, his partner, I don't think they're married, but his partner is from Bristol um, and I've also yeah. got a feeling she might be pregnant. So that yeah. that might play into it and I only know that because I th- like seeing that because I'm sure I've seen some some photos from holidays and stuff, but that yeah. might play into it in terms of, you know, support network and stuff like that, but yeah, I guess, I I guess when you're on that sort of money, you probably in well, why not anyway don't you but i do i do think sometimes you, you've earned i mean he will have earned a lot of money thomas callas over time mm-hmm. he drives some really really fantastic cars sometimes it is about being happy isn't it you know and and playing your football in, a, in an environment that is best suited and why not why not over the next three four months until you get to the next transfer window take take what you can take what's on offer Fight for your place in, yeah. in a in a pool of 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 new centre backs and current centre backs, and you know, come January, who's to say they might offer him a better a better mm-hmm. contract if he can prove his fitness, etc. Lee, yeah. But can you can you remember when he came back from the Euros and um, he's obviously uh, playing for the Czech Republic? Came back from the Euros and he was frozen out for a number of weeks, yeah. uh, and then his first game back was against Forest Green in the. Uh, Carling Cup or whatever and I was at that game and um, I remember thinking he was superb that game and I just I just hope that there's no you know kind of clash of conflicts whatever within the club with him yeah and, and, I mean yeah. So, certainly I think him and Nigel Pearson get on really well Do they? Um, right. yeah yeah I think he speaks really highly of him um, right. I do think it will come down to to the terms um, okay. and actually I suppose it's, it's so different for any of us in our in our work lives 
But there must be an element of Thomas Callis himself where he probably thinks it's fairly justifiable that it's an appearance kind of bonus package, if you like. Um, but also, if you're getting offers from abroad and, and in this country, that are substantially more. And, and I think you, know, you take a club like Norwich, going through a bit of a transition, still have a little bit of money. Thomas Callas would be a great signing for Norwich. Um, yeah. You know, that sort of club. So it will be interesting. Sadly, I don't see it being a Nathan Baker scenario where he, he does kind of come back and, and accepts mm-hmm. those terms. Okay. But I'd like to think we're still talking to him. Isn't he 30 now, something like that? Um, Must be about that, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a, it's a crucial time in his career. Yeah, yeah. Good segue. My number four is Nathan Baker. And, uh, you know, similar to, to Glenn Humphreys in terms of that no-nonsense attitude, <laughs> again, gets you off your seat. No-nonsense defender. He's got hell of a tackle on him. You've seen so many videos that keep popping up of him flying into tackles and uh, alongside Callas, alongside Webster, he's made 148 appearances for City, four goals. A fan favourite, Nathan Baker. Such a shame, a real shame how it ended for him with those sort of two concussions in 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 a small space of time and really feared for the lad up at Sheffield United in terms of uh, the, the the way that he went down and uh, it was obvious that there was a, a big problem and you just can't go on like that. It's really, really, really sad how, how it all ended. But, you know, you, you see him on Instagram. He's got a happy life, happy, happy family situation off and off on holiday, I think, at the moment in Ibiza or somewhere like that with his mates. And 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 let's hope that, that it continues that way because he deserves he deserves everything he gets from that. He, he's another one who came from the Premier League, so came from Aston Villa and slotted in really nicely into the Bristol City team and went on to have numerous good relationships with defenders. And yeah, Nathan Baker is my number four. He doesn't feature in either of your top fives, but I'm sure you, Matt, can relate to uh, how great a player Nathan Baker was for us. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, as you say, Patch, you know, how it ended for him. Thankfully, you know, he's okay and we hope there's no long-term damage. I guess for me with Nathan Baker, and it's it's that nostalgia and taking the, the kind of emotion and things like that out of it. I always felt with Nathan Baker that whenever he went down under any sort of challenge, that was it. Now, you'll be able to tell me how many appearances he made but I'll also tell you a huge percentage of those appearances he didn't finish games in. Um, so, you know, 148 appearances, I bet, well, I won't even give a figure, but there will be a huge number of those games where he didn't finish the game and also where he didn't actually finish until halftime. Um, he, for such a, a a warrior of a defender in terms of throwing his body in, just just putting really his life on the line after time. I, mean, I remember one game, can't think who it was against, where I think we ended, we may have ended up conceding a goal from it, but he tried to head the ball on the ground almost. Um, <laughs> can't, I can't think who it was, but I can see him doing it. But I just, I just felt with Nathan that yes, there's no doubt his ability um, in the tackle. Never thought he was very good on the ball. Um, Nathan Baker was always, if I was an opposition manager, I would have said, let them give the ball to him and then press him because I didn't think he was very good either bringing the ball out or with his delivery. But you couldn't question his, um, his, you know, desire and commitment. I always just felt sometimes there may be one or two injuries that 
other players, the likes of Sean Taylor, Lewis Carey, would have carried on with. And with Nathan, you just felt as soon as the trainer came on, that was it. He was going to go off. Um, so I'd be interested to know just how many of those 148 appearances he didn't finish. Yeah, I can I can see in terms of how many he started as sub, yeah. but I haven't got the the stats of of right. him coming yeah. off. But uh, yeah. yeah, for you, Lee Nathan Baker, I I really liked him, but he sometimes had the um uh, the kind of Russia blood, and he would just lunge into a challenge. And I can think of a couple of games and thinking, oh God, you're already on a yellow. Yeah, and there was one where he raced across the pitch in the rain, yeah. went there, yeah, and he saw. That's, yeah. that's the one. <laughs> Slid for about 40 yards. I, I don't know if Keith Strayed was ref that day, but oh, probably. it was someone, it, yeah. it, so, so he, if, if he get, I can't remember if he did, but if he gets away with that, stays on the pitch, uh, that's the sort of tackle that if it's nil-nil yeah. in the 65th minute, yeah. that is going to pick the crowd up, it's going to yeah. strive yeah. us on to, to get to get a winner. And yeah. I, I want to see some more of that contr- controlled aggression yeah. <laughs> i can see your theme though you've gone humphreys and you've gone yeah yeah, so they, yeah so you quite like the psychotype yeah you know, you know penny father's getting into his midfield don't you <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers for next week <laughs> right so this is where it gets interesting now because all three of us the next three players are all the same but in all in different positions for all of us right okay uh so i'm just want to work out how to do this so i'll go next then yeah um and my number three is Aidan Flint. Uh, so Aidan Flint, 246 appearances, 38 goals. And it's the 38 goals bit that mm-hmm. is remarkable. 15 goals in the 2014-2015 season, which for a, a, a centre-back is remarkable. And I can't think of many other goal-scoring centre-backs like that. Not just coming up for the odd header, but Rabona's um overhead kicks all sorts going on there and he we had him at his peak and he you know strokes we we strove on to to win the double in that particular season as well league one and the uh ldv vans or whatever it's called these days but um yeah a defender that you you want in in your in your defense alongside uh any anyone he 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 would bring that that assured assured ability to deal with any situation not only at corners but get good in the tackle as well an absolute man mountain of a man i think six foot seven i remember standing next to him in in the club shop and it's not often that i feel uh small um as i'm six foot five so it's a he is a player with a presence and he's just got promoted back to the championship but whether he's with Sheffield Wednesday or what next no, season, I well, don't he's, know. He's, he's been he's released, released he, by yeah. Stoke, hasn't he? And yeah, he so said his goodbyes to, to Sheffield Wednesday. But I did see a report yesterday that he's hoping to go back there, so it'd be interesting. Okay, but he didn't. Yeah. He wasn't featuring at the end for Sheffield Wednesday. No. Well, he, he was, was on the bench when he yeah, for the yeah. final. I got brought on. I think is a striker for when they got and, and um, assisted for their equaliser in Peterborough, the four four. Well, and and a bit like Jamie McComb, he would often sort of be up there in the last minute, yeah. in the last five ten minutes, as a as a, a, a height height in the box to try and get on the end of of, of things to to try and win the game. But um, yeah, so that's my short synopsis of Aidan Flint. He was my number three. We'll come to you next, Lee. Yeah. Uh, Aidan Flint was your number two. Yeah, I, do you know what? Um, thinking back to it, that that 2014-15 season, he was just brilliant, wasn't he? Um, he actually got in the team of the season um, for the Football League, you know, for the actual League One at that um, 
at that time as well. Um, he got player of the season for us that season. And he also got player of the season in 2015-16. So, you know, he, for me, he was uh, a superb centre-half, but his contribution to goals adds that, uh, like it, you said, um, at that t uh, point as well. He was he wasn't bad with his feet either. Do you remember that last game in the season um, in the 2014-15 when he scored a trick against Warsaw? Yep. Yeah. And um, do you remember so, that um that I think it was his second goal where he kind of put his foot behind his other foot and it kind of yeah, like that's the Rabona. The, the Rabona, that was his yeah, I think that's for it. his hat it might have been for his hat trick that one. Yeah, I think I mean it was superb. And um I just I don't know, I just think to myself whether it's nostalgic again, um, but I thought that team that Cottrell put together was absolutely superb and it was great to see, and he was a big part of that. Actually, I think when we went up to the championship, I think we played Sheffield Wednesday, first game of the season away, and he got caught out a couple of times, you remember, with his pace. So I wonder if um, League One was where he was at his best. Um, he's done okay, hasn't he, in the championship? I mean, he got sold to Middlesbrough for about seven million, I think, from us. Um, played at Cardiff as well, which we don't like to mention. But he's um, he, he was a great footballer for me, and I and I... You know, he, that's why he goes into number two for me. One of my favourite goals from uh, from Aidan Flint was a home game against Leeds, Wednesday, the 19th of August, 2015. And we were 2-0 down with one minute to go. And yep. and then uh, Agard scored in the 89th minute. And then Flint scored in the 94th minute. Yep. And I remember looking around, just seeing all the empty seats of people that have wandered out and just thinking... Yeah, that's why you stayed to the end. But uh, the end, yeah. yeah, that 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 was one of the most memorable ones for me. Um, but yeah, he's he scored as as we say a, a lot of a lot of memorable goals for Bristol City. Thirty eight goals in total, which is incredible. Um, so Matt, coming to you first, Aidan Flint, your number one. Yeah, and and really for for that absolutely for that season, um, I don't think we'd had a, a centre back. Um, I'm sure another name that will get mentioned now in our top three, Sean Taylor scored some goals, but it was just exceptional. The amount of goals he scored some, some big goals, as you've just sort of said with that, the hat trick, but that, that it is the nostalgia. Definitely for me, that, that team that season um, is right up there as my favorite team. I remember going to watch Yo City play Yeovil in a preseason friendly when there was all the talk of Aidan Flint's contract and that he was going to go. He was, he was, was frozen out a little bit by Lee Johnson um, and he featured in the preseason. And I just remember sort of thinking, oh, come on, you know, let's get it sorted out because he's too big a player for us. Mm. Agree with Lee. I think he probably um, was at the right level and, and maybe the form that he hit for us then, had he been playing the championship, you know, he might've gone on and, and sort of done a little bit better, but he didn't really pull up any trees um, consistently at any of the clubs he's then been to, Middlesbrough, um, Stoke, or um, Cardiff. Cardiff, yeah. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I think, in his first loan spell, did really, really well, hence going back. But, you know, I think you also remember the the Swindon, you know, do you want them to go up? Um, <laughs> you know, no. And so you had, you no, had, no, no. you had, exactly, you had the chant as well. So yeah. for all of those reasons, but, but fundamentally on the pitch, very, very good defender, um, but for your centre half to score 15 goals in this season is just incredible. Yeah. Good stuff. Right, Matt, coming to you now for your number two. Um, and that is Sean Taylor. Yeah. Um, 
for me, really difficult, these, these top three, and, and I wouldn't disagree with any of the order that we've got them in. Um, but Sean Taylor was just an absolute rock of a man, wasn't he? Um, probably for us, we needed him at the time we, we got him. Um, we needed that player that could organise things, um, had a tremendous career at Swindon. We all, you know, I think all of us, certainly within our era, is slightly different now, but but growing up, you knew the Swindon team in the way that you knew the Rovers team. And Sean Taylor was a player that, that stood out completely for them. Um, you know, you're, you're just putting in the, the, the chat patch. He was 33 when he signed. And there won't be many 33-plus players that have signed for Bristol City and then had the impact that he had. Aaron Wilbraham, and I might be doing Wilbraham a disservice. I don't know how old he was when he signed. Um, but, you know, Sean Taylor was just a, a really, really... First and foremost, quality defender was okay on the ball, um, but dead p dead balls when that ball was put into the box, you know the the headers that he would score and create opportunities. But another one that was very much of the the Terry Butch would play through head injuries with bandages around, and I bet there weren't many games other than near the end of his career where he, he got a few injuries. I bet there weren't many games that Sean Taylor took a knock in and then had to leave the field. So yeah, quality player. And the gum shield, obviously, as well. And the gum shield, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say it's interesting, Matt, that you talk about um the heading is um both Sean Taylor, Aidan Flint and others that we've mentioned, Callas, that their main strength is their ability to head the ball. And I yeah. and I know that there's a campaign and I know that the link with dementia and so on. And it's a really serious matter. I, I understand that. But defenders must wince when they see things like banning the head in the ball because that their games are built on that, aren't they? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, his Robins reunited with Jim Brennan. Obviously you can listen back to that one, but it just comes across as such a, such a lovely guy. And I've asked well, comments. We've, we've met him, Patch, haven't we? We've met him as well, you know. I um, mean, obviously, you did the Robins reunited, but face to face as well. Just a really, really genuinely yeah. nice guy. I remember um, so... a, a real change of career as well. No, um, absolutely, yeah. Is it, is it Gardner now? Well, sort of yeah, odd, odd, odd job, odd man job Gardner, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Care home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember Rob Edwards sort of saying, playing alongside, um, you know, playing with Sean Taylor, and you know, the ball would come alongside, and Sean Taylor would just jump high, head the ball out of the way, and having someone like that alongside you who is basically a magnet for the football uh, must be really reassuring um, to have, to have him alongside you. But uh, yeah, I think when you ask most Bristol city fans of, of our sort of general age, Sean Taylor would, would be up there in, in not only the top five, but the top three. And he's certainly in our top three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Sean Taylor. And uh, so you're, you're number two as well. Um, Lee was Sean Taylor. No, sorry, no, you're number, number one. one. Your yeah. number one is Sean I, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, when you used to see Sean Taylor on the edge of the 18 yard box for a corner, and you knew he'd make that darting run into the center. I mean, you know, the opposition players must have been frightened to death to see him yeah. making that darting run in. You know, I mean, it's interesting. He only scored 10 goals for the club, which is quite surprising given at Swindon where he played in the Premier League if you remember yeah yeah he scored a number of goals for them by doing that but as I said did, did we say we signed him at about 33 you said yeah 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 and and he only cost us 50 grand so it's probably the best 50 grand that we've ever spent really yeah okay right so on to number one um my number one is Lewis Carey 
So he was your number three, Lee, and yeah. also your number three, Matt, as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lewis Carey, Bristol City's record appearance holder, um, actually went through the ranks at the academy, um, was actually not, he was actually let go and then brought back uh, Lewis Carey, uh, from, if memory serves correctly, but made his debut back in 1995 and his last appearance was 2013, which is wow. absolutely insane. Uh, wow. The fact that he's that he's done that um, and 646 appearances with 15 goals is, uh, you know, is the is the the primary reason for me where while while he's where he's up there in in number one position, but alongside that, very very assured, great on the ball. Again, a defender who will go for everything. Commitment to the to the team was never pulled into question. If you speak you speak to the players, they all obviously show him massive respect. A love a lovely human as a, a, again really really genuine. Nice lad who uh, who loves Bristol City. Unfortunately, he's now working down at Southampton, but I you have to believe that one day he will be back at Ashton Gate in in some capacity um, to to help bring through the next generation of Bristol City players. But yeah, he's been part been part of two two generations, maybe even three generations um, of Bristol City fans. Uh, watching Bristol City, so it's um it's a it's a name that is is definitely up there with not only the top five centre backs but top five Bristol City all time players. Uh, great that uh, a lot of people won't know this, but his his mum uh, Sue Carey is actually part of the former players association, and Lewis obviously pops in now and again, and will be part of of plans next season as well. So Bristol City through and through, and just a. A stalwart at the back for me in terms of 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 uh, former players. So, Matt, for you, Lewis Carey. Do you know what, Patch? <clears throat> Lewis Carey should be my number one. I gen genuinely haven't talked about it, and and not a lot of people will know this, but when we did these, I was kind of your guinea pig, so <laughs> did did put names down. But test um, this form, yeah. <laughs> genuinely, as you as you were talking, um, and when we started talking about these, I was thinking. I hope Lewis Carey is my number one. Um, and I, I, I'll justify the Aidan Flint and, and similarly Sean Taylor. But actually, I do think Lewis Carey should be number one for the majority of us because to put in that amount, those amount of appearances, including going away for a little hiatus at Coventry um, and then coming back, and I think that was contract-driven again. Um, but little things with Lewis. I mean, and, and I know lots of players have done this and will do it in the future, but Lewis came along to when I was a, a assistant manager, joint manager, assistant to the manager, assistant to the manager um, at Warmley Rangers. Um, Lewis came along to one of our end of year um, award ceremonies and was just such a lovely guy. Had time for every single player, every single dad, mum, grandparent that was a City fan, photos with them, signing stuff, um, you know, for what. I think when I asked him um, or my brother asked him, you know, we were saying would be kind of half an hour just to do the awards. He was there for a good couple of hours and summed the man up. Um, and, and as you say, you know, I've been, been privileged to spend more time in his company with the former players, just a really genuine guy. Um, and when you talk to the likes of Scotty Murray, Tony Thorpe, um, you know, the, the players in, in that era, Lewis Carey is, is talked about in such high esteem. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I will say I won't change it because of the the, the scoring and, and what we've got. But actually, for me, um, thinking about it, Lewis Kerry should be number one. Lee, do you want to add anything to? Yeah, to that? well, we we um, we had a discussion on the WhatsApp group about kind of a legend of the club and kind of what makes a legend so on. And you know, the first person that comes to mind would be in my time would be um, Lewis Kerry. Um, but like Matt said, you know, he, would I change him to number one now? Possibly. But the fact that, that all three of us have put Taylor, Flint and Carey in some kind of order means that, you know, he, that they must have been significant yeah. as players. And um, we're not representative of all fans, of course. But, you know, certainly we, we've watched the games and, and I would say that, Lewis Carey could feature in one, two, or three. But um, interestingly, he never got a Player of the Season award. Did you know that? No. I mean, I, I wondered whether a young player might have come in, but no, I didn't. Um, I guess the other thing to call out is he didn't play just as a centre-back. Played a lot of games at right-back yeah. as well. Right. So, you yeah. know, it, it, th there was that to it. And clearly, Pat, Sean Taylor had a big influence on Lewis Carey as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, so, absolutely. You know, I, when I did the Sean Taylor uh, Robins Reunited, Lewis actually recorded a little bit of a tribute. Of course to, he did. Of course he did. Sean yeah. Taylor, and um, yeah, it was always uh, always great to hear other players talking about other players. It's <laughs> it's funny as well, isn't it? So we've we've got a stand named after John Attio, we've got mm. a statue for John Attio, mm. and yet Lewis Carey is our record appearances. It's, it's it's a bit sad that it takes them not it takes them not to be with us anymore to get a statue yeah, to get yeah, those I, sorts I, of I guess so, of but things. it's 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 definitely is you know part of the the sports quarter rebuilding things like that. Yeah, you know, Lewis Kerry should be talked about in the same vein as John Attio. That John Attio is there. Yes, I know he was an England international, yeah. but was also of a different era. Mm. That actually in the in the modern era, if you like. Lewis Carey should be out there. Lewis, let's let's have a look at a Lewis Carey statue. Okay, let's right. start the campaign. Yeah, keeps Lewis Carey statue. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Come on, Patch, yeah. get it moving. Yeah, no problem. Get that sorted. Yeah. Right. Let's have a look then at the summation of points. So we've got sixteen players in this list. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order, and in sixteenth place is UEFA Conference League winner David Moyes. Yep. Um, so yeah, never. I can't remember seeing him play that much. Came, came to my came to my 18th birthday party, mate. Did he? Wow. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Where was because Where was that, Matt? It was in the the White Hart in Bedminster, oh, um, yeah. and there was a um, a family friend who ran a butcher's in Bedminster. Um, a guy called Tony. It's not Pogson. Seymour Butts, is it? It's the, not. No, no. It's a guy, called, called. guy called Tony <laughs> Tony, Tony Pogson with his wife Sandra. <laughs> Um, and he used to rent out is the flat above the shop, um, right. and the likes I think of Bobby Hutch, Rob Newman, um, and he got to know Moisey, and yeah, a few of them came to my 18th. Moisey, Alan Walsh, um, but with Moisey, just remember that Mansfield game for me. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, right, um, I'm sure he missed a pen, didn't he, Moisey? He did in the, yeah. in the shootout. Yeah, yeah. So, right. but but rightly talked about. Yeah. Moving up then, next one up the list is Matt Bryant, uh, which we, who we've spoken about. Uh, then Glenn Humphreys, who we've also spoken about. Then we move into Luke Ayling. Now, Luke Ayling came up in conversation in the fullbacks. Yep. For me, he was more of a fullback, but yeah. there's going to be a number of players that we speak about in the next five minutes that have played in 
either fullback or centre back. So for this, for the purposes of this, they're a little bit disadvantaged well, because this, so, likewise, Rob Newman, you could say, yeah, yeah, well, we'll I saw him as a midfielder, but yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. oh, sorry, uh, no, no, it's fine. It's it's obvious that he's going to come up. Um, right, so Luke Aylin, then Matty Hill, rightly so, yeah. So yeah. yeah, Matty Hill. I think and he got talked about him. Full backs, yeah, 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 yeah. full backs as well. Keith Curl next. Now, obviously, I remember Keith Curl being at City, but not too much about how he played. I remember him yeah. being rapid. He played at Mansfield game, Matt, as well, didn't he? That Mansfield game. Yes, yeah, he did. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure he did. Yeah. Um, then Nathan Baker. Uh, then Mark Shale. So Mark Shale was part of obviously the. The promotion side, although we didn't play many games in that season with the John Ward uh, season, but uh, a number of part of uh, the side at Liverpool in that part of the side Cup. Yeah. at Liverpool still comes back and watches games um, as a as a former player and still lives locally. But another player who was captain of Bristol City, played yep. lots of lots of games and was uh, someone who was assured on the ball, uh, good passer of the ball, scored some good goals as well, actually. Uh, so yeah, great to see Mark Shale in the list. Now the next one's an interesting one. Uh, Stephen Colker uh, comes yeah, in yeah. into play. He is what position is he? He is eighth. How many? Um, is he eighth? I thought you started eight. So I started on sixteen, and uh, yeah, we're up to eighth now. So Stephen Colker oh, right, okay. in eighth. It's, it's it's I mean, how many appearances does Stephen Colker have? Just the one season. Just uh, keep talking a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 29, something like 30, that. Was 30. It, was it? 30. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when we when we signed him when he was playing, um, right, writing in the column that I did, that he would go on and play for England, which he did, um, but also would go on to captain England and captain Spurs because I thought he was that good. Um, again, I know I've, I've referenced it before on here, but um, under the Kosh podcast for football fans yeah Stephen Corker's on that and it is an unbelievable unbelievable podcast if you've not listened to it please listen to it just to give an insight into the modern game and the money that's there um the money that he talked about spending at casinos and the debt that he was in and the life that he was leading. Um, he was at know. Liverpool, Matt, as well. He was, yeah. Years. Well, he got, I mean, part of that story, Lee, is that um, he was actually in, in Ireland um, wasted um, yeah. and got woke up by his agent to say he needed to get across to Liverpool. That's right, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was yeah. petrified because he was sort of stinking yeah. of booze. In, um, yeah. But yeah, I think he played three games and, and he, he sort of said early on that Jurgen Klopp realised he wasn't for him. Yeah. Um, but just, just for us, a quality, quality player, one of the the era of players that could absolutely play and bring the ball out. But when you, you listen to that podcast, you realise just what a troubled individual he was because of his gambling addiction. Um, yeah. And he, he talked about the fact that when he came to, to Bristol City, he got put up um, in the middle of town where all of the casinos were. So, mm. you know, um, so, so very, very sad, really. And now even going through it a little bit, because he's, he's part of the Wigan team that weren't getting paid. Um, so... Wish him well, but yeah, I'm I'm not surprised he's featured in 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 the list. What about what was it about him, Matt? Obviously, I I was playing at the time yeah. when he played, and obviously yeah. I watched as many games he, as I could. He, he, I remember was, him being really assured and good on the ball, and like like Adam Webster, like Adam Webster, probably probably a, a a better defender than Adam Webster. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of his, he was a he's a very thick set player, but. 
but just looked so comfortable on the ball. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I talked about him being like Bobby Moore-esque in, you know, because of how good he was, but he just looked at, what was he, 18 when he signed for us? Yeah, yeah. very mature for his age. Yeah. I mean, at that age, like I said, I just, in the way that he talked about Tammy Abraham, you could see that this this kid mm. was destined for the top. And sadly, I think, as I say, that his, his addictions stopped him from actually being able to achieve that. Okay. Well, I wonder if we picked him up because he was on loan at Yeovil, I think, for a bit. That's right. Yeah, he was. Spurs, and I wonder yeah. if that's how we got that to connection. Him. Yeah. He was quick. He, I mean, he's he played for a number of top teams here, like um, Southampton, Liverpool, QPR, yeah. Tottenham. I mean, you know, but he's only about 31 now, Matt. So I know it's incredible. But even yeah. with QPR, he talks about the fact that, you know, when he went there, that he, he was just not up to it, you know, in terms yeah. of where it, where he was and just, yeah. just very insightful. You know, we, we talk about mental health patch on, on this podcast, very insightful when you listen to, to him talk and he's very honest, um, mm -hmm. doing a lot now in, in the, in the game because of it, but yeah, um, wish all the best because he, he comes across as a, a really good guy from that point of view. He's gone through it. Good stuff. Right. Number seven is Boom Boom, Jamie McCoom, 132 appearances, 11 goals. Uh, he almost made it into my top five, but uh, Glenn, Glenn Humphreys and my nostalgia <laughs> took over. So, uh, yeah, Jamie McCoom absolutely was a player that a little bit like some of the people we've spoken about yeah. is, you know, no nonsense, gets his head, probably wins every header because, you know, he had a jump and he was six, six, six or whatever he was. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a player that, that will, that will live long because he was that character as well. Wasn't um, he ill for the playoff final? Didn't he have a like an up, stomach upset? I don't know if he played or played through it or couldn't yeah. play, but I'm sure there was something that he wasn't well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, J Jamie McCoon, Matt, for you. Yeah, excellent. Um, I can see a game boy he's featured so, so highly as he has. Um, not necessarily blessed with pace, but because he was such a long-legged <laughs> person, <laughs> yeah, he could he could make challenges. But probably um, for for us, one of the the first kind of times where you saw him getting moved up front late in games to try and get a point or get a win or um, because of his height and stature, he would cause problems. So yeah, good, 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 good quality player. Jamie Here's an interesting one, Lee. So I'm looking at the 11 goals that he scored for Bristol city. And yeah. we got 90th minute, 87th minute, 90th minute, yeah. 77th, minute, <laughs> wow. 117th minute at West Br at uh, Middlesbrough away. Um, in the FA Cup, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's had a bit extra time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he he was good. I mean, he don't get in the top five for me because he didn't quite have the finesse on yeah. the ground as your carries and um and Callas and that time. But you know, but I could see him easily being on my top five. Um, yeah. if I rewrote them again, so yeah, good point. Yeah, up from uh went up from obviously from the champion went into the championship in the 06-07 season and then and uh, into the championship where he didn't feature as... Well, he actually, he must have either got injured in pre-season or something and then sort of was trying to get back into the team in October, November and then was was a mainstay in the league. But uh, yeah, so Jamie McComb, right, into the top five now with number five is Thomas Callas. So yep. uh, Callas at number five. Number four is is a player that has 
been a, a victim of the structure of this top five, and that's Rob Newman. So Rob Newman is fourth mm. in all-time centre-backs. Mm. And, you know, Lee, we've said that he pretty much has played everywhere on the pitch. So some yeah. people see him as a centre-back. Some people see him as a midfielder. So he does feature in quite high up in the midfield ranks as well. But yeah. that that sort of speaks for itself, really, in terms of, of Rob Newman and the fact that how long he was at Bristol City sort of started as a result of the Ashton Gate 8 situation, yep. went got thrown into the team with lots of his academy players. Um, and, yeah, it's great to see him on the pitch the other night with, with Moisey celebrating the, the win uh, for West Ham. But yeah, yeah what, and what went, a, went what on a to player. have a, a, a really good career at Norwich as well. I mean, I'd be interested to see how many appearances he made for them. Uh, did he play in the um, European Cup? You know, I'm sure the... he did the Jeremy Goffs yeah. kind of thing. That's yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To 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 make 487 appearances for mm -hmm. Bristol City to then go on and have a great career yeah. at another club is yeah. quite amazing in itself. Yeah. Part, uh, part of the 400 club, like you say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 487 appearances, 61 goals, and. Yeah. You know, when you look at the sort of the position that he's been given, his defender, yeah. central midfielder, <laughs> and yeah. and in an era where we were, you know, struggling, and to to come in like he did, such a youngster, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Fourth place is Adam Webster. Uh, into third place, Adam Flint, and then the front two, top two, is in second place, Lewis Carey, uh, and in first place, Sean Taylor. So. For, for so Sean Taylor on sixty six points, Lewis Carey on fifty three. So um... it's it's funny, isn't it? Because like I said, I I, I would change mine now. I, I just genuinely think that from an appearance point of view, everything that he he gave local lad hmm. Lewis should be number one for me. Um, yeah, and I, I wonder. And I say, everyone's I, and it's, done everyone's different. It would be interesting to see in the the cold light of day, and having listened to what we've talked about today, how many others would would change that. Um, I tell you what, tip, tip, top, tip, top, yeah. top three was our top three, wasn't it? So, yeah. I mean, what, what tip tip for me is that, um, and I know he didn't play for us in the Premier League, but Sean Taylor actually did it in the Premier League and yeah. he knew how good he, he, he is. But you, when, you, when you say did it, aren't, didn't yeah. they have like the lowest points <laughs> total <laughs> in? But so, he did, you know, he scored he put, loads he, of goals He did, him. he yeah, did. So. Yeah, he did. So it's interesting it. you say, say that, Lee, because that wouldn't have even come into my equation. Would it not? Because I... I'm talking about Bristol City. Bristol City, yeah. right? Okay, uh, yeah. But like the fact that. that you know we've got 16, 17 people that have done this, and some yeah. people would have yeah. thought that, yeah. um, some some people wouldn't. But, but I don't just, think they'll be they'll be overly worried, Lewis and Sean, about where no, they come. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, just to throw somebody else into the mix as well that's not been mentioned um, at all, and and I've only just thought about it now is Lloyd Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, a, a game playing left-hand side a lot for us, wasn't That's he? It. Well, I say a lot. I mean, he, yeah. he only played a handful of games, didn't he, from memory? Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. There are, are there other names patched in terms of. Well, that's that's it in terms of who we as a group have voted for. But I, I think we need to throw a few more names yeah. into the pot. So uh, Danny Coles didn't feature, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, hope I don't see him in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did did Joe Brunel play centre half as well? So again, Joe was a utility player. Yeah, who yeah. played, but he did play centre half, right he? back, centre back, midfield. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah he he'll be a victim of of this as well but uh and going back even further you know uh you've got to talk about the likes of jeff merrick gary collier dave rogers dave rogers absolutely yeah um who you could put dave rogers alongside you know the likes of sean taylor in terms Definitely. of the way that he played and, and yeah. i know i didn't ever see him play live but having done research and and watched videos and things like that and a goal scoring centre back as well. So he's, you know, in, in the Aiden Flint sort of not quite in the Aiden Flint number in terms of number of goals, but definitely a goal scorer. Um Jeff Merrick, obviously the the captain I mean, of Jeff, the team. Jeff would would absolutely um if we were doing it at different eras, would we in that same discussions around Sean Taylor Lewis Carey, um mm-hmm. a Rolls Royce of a player and a, a obviously, you know, we know from an Ashton Gate eight point of view, but such a dedicated, committed man could have gone to other clubs um, and didn't. Um, so, yeah, you're right. But Merrick, 434 appearances, 13 yeah. goals. Uh, did you see Jeff Merrick play, Matt, much? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I sort of started when we got into the first division. So so as a as a centre-back, you know, he's not, not the tallest of players. So no, how, did he get, how did he get around just that? Did have a real leap on him. Um, was right. very good in the air, Jeff. Very good in the air. Brilliant. Love that. Any others to, to throw into the mix? Just, just to think I was just I was just Googling then to see if I could see more. Bristol names. City centre backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because um yeah, there must be lots of players that when we talk about um like David Rennie. So Dave Rennie played there, centre back. Dave, Dave Rennie played there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he um, did. Liam Fontaine. John, John Pender. Liam John yeah. Pender. Liam Fontaine. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Horder Magnuson. I don't know he played left. Yeah. Um, one one for the older era, but definitely would feature Don Clark. Um, yeah, lot lots of you know, um, players that you could talk about. You've said about um Gary Collier. Um, he was certainly someone um that you remember. So yeah, there's a a lot of I, now. I, I mean, how we started the the show was that um our records um for. Uh, in the club have all been about centre-backs. So Lewis yeah. Carey, Webster, um, Callas, uh, even Lloyd Kelly is our second uh, biggest selling player, you know, in terms of finance. So you know, I think we've been blessed. And then obviously we've uh, we said about David Moyes as well. So we have been blessed. Tony Butler. Yep. Tony <laughs> Butler, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was hard. And... He was hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair, fair few. Fair few. Well, we could go on and on looking through the history books. Norman Hunter. <laughs> well, yeah, Norman Hunter. Obviously, you know. we're when we're doing the uh, the pre eighty three shout outs, definitely, definitely a name that I know. Um, okay, right. So let's leave it there. So um, okay. it's been great to just reminisce on on the uh, the, the centre backs here at Bristol City, and yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed that as well as the getting you up to speed at the very start of of the podcast but yeah do have it for something a little bit different have a listen to the regular show episode i think it's 193 where we talk about um you know some of the some of the things we've done over the last eight years and also just a a general chit chat but um thank you very much to lee and matt as always thanks lee You've brought no me up from a five to about a seven now. So yeah, uh, good. We've done our job. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, hopefully everyone listening has enjoyed. So we'll, we'll be back 
next week with midfielders, which I've done the uh, the scores on the doors for already, and it makes for exciting, ris- uh, exciting listening for next for next week. We've got Excellent. how many players have we got in there? We have eighteen players that have been mentioned um, across a, a span across. Uh, and am I right four. in thinking that that doesn't include wingers, does it? Nope. So wing, wingers yeah. is is yeah. separate. So again, yeah. there's a couple of players in here that um, you know that it have would, probably done would feature both. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's good stuff. It creates conversation, and uh, we'll go from there. And who knows, we may be talking about another sign-in. Big thanks to Glenn from the the Aberdeen Red yeah. Tinted uh, Glasses podcast for reaching out. Um, and quite incredible to to get such a good glowing review and wishing him on his way and all of that. Um, I'm sure you both will agree. Uh, was was great to hear. So yeah, it's uh, not long now till till preseason. I think they're back in back in in two and a half three weeks time, um, and then the the preseason friendlies will will start and we'll, and we can talk about them. Yeah, playing us out as always is the Shucks with Whiskey Pool. Thanks everybody. Take care all. I'm drifting along. It's a one way road. Just like the tumbleweed. Standing stone Far away from the city call I find myself on another bar stone Taking the time to think and pray That I once had before it fades away. Taking the time to talk at last. One more time with my father who's Desolation of life and love oh, I'm drowning in a whiskey pool oh, I'm drifting far away from you oh, And now I'm a whiskey fool
drowning in a whiskey pool I'm turning into a whiskey pool